Greetings and salutations. This is your girl, Isha Montgomery, and thank you for joining me on episode 18 of Hope Speaks. The name of this episode is The Perfect Work of Patience. I just want to start off by saying that it has been a crazy three weeks. So if you're wondering why you haven't heard from me, or if you're wondering why I haven't been on my podcast as much, it's because of the fact that you know, I've just been been caught up in a whirlwind of stuff happening lately. So totally sorry about that. Um, I'm going to focus on being more present from now on because things are a bit more stable. Um, I've recently had to realize that so often we think that nothing is happening just because stuff isn't going our way or it's not moving as quickly as planned. But I've come to the realization that God doesn't move just because you want him to. He doesn't speed up his plan for the sake of you feeling more comfortable with the situation. I realize now that God is the type of God that he moves when he's ready. He doesn't let you rush him or change how he's going to do things. And I'm thankful for that because had I assumed that I had the master plan, I would have been in a bad situation. You know, I would have became uneasy or I would have became like, I would have been one of those people who's like, oh, I, I can, I can do this for God. God doesn't need my help. I have to put in the work and practice patience. And that's something I'm trying to learn right now as we speak. And it's not easy. It's not easy because to us, everything is like, oh, I only have this much time. I don't know how long I'm going to live. I don't know what tomorrow going to bring. But really, none of that should matter if you're waiting on God's timing because God's timing is perfect. His plan is perfect. His ways are perfect. He is perfect. So ultimately, I've been just trying to, trying to find a way to let patience just have this perfect work in me and that's not it's still something I'm figuring out I'm not even gonna lie but it's something that I'm glad to learn as time goes on I'm I'm finding a a gladness in being at peace with where I am not rushing it not not doing whatever I want to do waiting on God so (laughs) I want to bring us to James 5.30. I can of my own self do nothing as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. And there Jesus was talking about how he's not moving without the Father. How he can do nothing of himself. Because the Father has a master plan. The father and the son are one and how he waits on his move. You know, sometimes we have to realize that the world, they're going to move according to their own time. They're going to do things however they want to do. But when you're following God, you have to follow in his footsteps. You're not supposed to just be running out there making all your own. And that is so complicated because... You're basically living the opposite of how everyone else in the world is living typically. 
you know, their time frame and your time frame are two different time frames. The way they walk and the way you walk are two different walks. It's not even because you necessarily want to be like that. That's just the nature of how things are for people who believe in Christ, who believe in Christ. That's the nature of how things are when you say, God, you're bigger than me. God, your will comes first. Your way comes first. I'm gonna step back and I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play this, I'm gonna play the, um, I'm gonna play the role of someone who's waiting sometimes to be taken off the bench. Have you ever been on a on a team like whether it's baseball, basketball, and you're just sitting on that bench, you're waiting for your turn, and you're like, man, when my turn come, I'm gonna light the court up. And after a while, you forget you're even playing basketball. You start dazing off. I don't know, maybe that's just me. I start dazing off. I can't daze off anymore. I had to be ready for when it's my turn to come in. And until then, I have to be patient and know that God has that all worked out. I wrote a poem a while ago in my book, Preservation of the Human Spirit, that released on Amazon. It's by Isha Montgomery. Check it out if you get the chance. And I'm going to read it to you. It's called God's Security. Beneath the masses, concentrated on dwindling savings, are voices of inadequacy. Have I failed myself? How will I take care of my family? What will happen to me? Can I afford to work if Uncle Sam's work opens work? When the cost may be impending gloom, labored breath, no relatives in the waiting room. The odious weight inside this box gnaws at the security, cries in solitude, landing on bended knee to pray for inner peace. Bush set ablaze by God's voice, speak to me, speak to me. Still water calm underfoot, usher me forward, usher me forward. Let a few loaves be broken to feed the masses. Let the oceans catch, give fuel to the multitude. Nourish my spirit, O Lord. Light a hope inside of me to dispel the darkness so the blind can see. Make my path even, supply my overhead, supplement my income with faith. I reached out to local politicians only to receive no answer. If the world is the body, then COVID's creation is the cancer. Bush set ablaze by God's voice, speak to me, speak to me. Still calm water underfoot, usher me forward, usher me forward. Again, the name of this is God's security. Um, And I wrote that when the pandemic was still fresh, when it was still new. And I was like, um, I was in a position where I got let go from two jobs. You know, I was like working multiple part-time positions, probably a total of like three and two other positions where I was working as a brand ambassador through contract work. And it really kind of threw me off to see so much of my work dwindle. I lost two, I, I lost about five racks in a matter of, maybe two months, two and a half months. Um, I watched all my income just go to nothing. And I just sat in the house and basically lived off the money that was still coming in. And then even after that, like it was hard to find work and I was just, you know, doing what I could in order to make ends meet. And when I wrote that uh, poem, I was thinking, what is this God and how will I survive? Um, this is before I even started my podcast I'm speaking to you on now. This was before I even knew what tomorrow would bring. And I just thought, 
if God is my fortress, then surely he will find a way to keep me maintained. You know, if, if God is my comforter, if he's my supplier, if he's my everything, surely he won't let his child go hungry. He won't let me be turned, you know, be turned loose to the wolves. You know, he won't, he won't leave me nor forsake me because he loves me. Um, and during that time, I didn't know then what I know now. Then, you know, I was in a relationship. Um, basically, the whole relationship was just horribly toxic, living totally wrong, not thinking about how that was, knowing that it was affecting my walk with God, but not realizing the magnitude of it, um, not realizing how my blessings could only go so far because I wasn't living according to his word within my own personal relationship with the person who I was with. You know, I assumed as long as I believed in God, that was enough. Like, oh, he didn't have to believe in God. You know, that's to each their own, you know. Oh, you know, we don't have a faith-based relationship, but I believe in Christ and that should be enough, you know, because I can only do what I've been doing, you know. I didn't realize I had to literally cut him loose and take a path that God wanted for me and walk in step with God as opposed to doing my own thing. I thought, okay, well, as long as I'm doing the best I can, that's good enough. No, it's not good enough. <laughs> it's not, there's no, it's, it's not what's hot. I didn't realize that there wasn't what's hot. God didn't want me living with somebody in sin. God didn't want me um, sacrificing the very uh, spirit that he put within me so that I could just fit in with the world. God didn't want me um, always having to ignore the things I felt in my spirit in order to maintain something where I wasn't loved or appreciated. Um, God wanted better for me, and I, and I recognize that now. You know, and now I'm in my period of waiting. And really, I have been for a long time, and I just never knew. You know, I at the time, I thought I was waiting on God. It turns out God was waiting on me. He's waiting on me to say, okay, enough's enough. We got to go our own separate ways. And one day, I'm definitely going to release a book just talking about, um, just talking about that period in time in, not knowing or understanding what was going on until everything just was exposed in such a such an awe-inspiring way. Like if I told y'all what happened that like led to the breakup, y'all be like, nah. Like everything that happened, like because I started fasting in overdrive. Like I was like, I'm not gonna eat till I hear from the Lord. I'm I, I'm I'm gonna be so dedicated. I'm I'm literally doing a dry fast till I hear from the Lord. I'm doing a water fast till I hear his voice. I want to usher his presence into my life. Like I was just, I was going ham in the Lord, like ham, bacon, and cheese, like with the eggs on top. I was like, whatever it's going to take, Lord, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> and it's like, whenever he says something to me, I'd be like, huh? Lord, is that you? <laughs> like All this time when I hear his voice, I hear his voice. I'm like, huh? <laughs> you know, because, his, you know, when the Lord was speaking to me during that time, there was so much blockage and really the blockage was my sin. My sin was in a way, so I couldn't hear him clearly. I'd be like, huh? And it was him. And he was like saying little stuff to me. I'd be like, okay, well, maybe I'm hearing him wrong. Okay. Well, maybe I'm hearing him wrong. 
okay, you know, I had gotten to that, into that mindset. And then one day I was washing dishes in the kitchen. I heard him clear as day say, I was like, what should I do about this relationship? What should I do about my boyfriend? He's, and I heard him clear as day come through the water as I was washing the dishes and say, um, I will deal with him. And I said, oh my gosh. I said, ooh. <laughs> I said, ooh. I said, Lord. And let me tell you, when when he was dealt with, when I was addressed in the same breath, wow. That stuff told my relationship. Uh, we were over less than like five days later because when things are exposed by the Lord, when he shines light on the dark places, oh, trust me, you're going to see everything. There's not going to be an ounce of speculation that won't be addressed when God really shines that light on it. And sometimes God will let you know more over time than what he could when you were in a relationship. I'm tired person. I'm very upfront. I'm very forefront. When I have a question, I'm going to ask. Oh, I'm going to, I'm like, what is this? Can you explain this to me? This doesn't really make sense to me. I'm one of those type of people. And, um, when when people don't have an answer or when they have an answer, but they know that you're not going to approve because of what you believe in, a lot of times they'll lie to you. They'll false flag. They'll hide. They'll um, they'll covet things or, or try to make things seem as though you're crazy or you're tripping or you're just, you know, wilding out. And then in reality, God sees the heart of man. He knows what's in the crevices of it. So God doesn't play that. Human beings may play, but God doesn't. God doesn't play these games. Really doesn't. Really doesn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, one thing I recognize is this too. Like, um, for the longest time, my um, my poetry and the things I wrote, I'm gonna be forthright, was so. Ooh, it was it was straight up ratchet half the time. It was a uh, cuss words in it, way too blunt. I've been trying to refrain from. Um, honestly, I every time I cuss, I repent at this point, or I make an effort to repent within that day or within hours. Um, that moment, I'm trying to do better than what I did before, because I recognize that the things I did before weren't working for me. Um. And I think that's the problem. Sometimes when things aren't working, we're not willing to say, man, this isn't working. This isn't good for me. This is breaking down my spirit. This is tearing apart my relationship with God. This is this is eating away at my soul. This is this is breaking down at the very things that, that I hold dear. And I think sometimes we hold on to things that aren't for us for too long. And in representation of that, I'm going to read you a poem called Held On To. And this is also from my book, Preservation of the Human Spirit. I may have read some of these poems before, but sometimes I just like to read things over if I feel that it applies to the moment in time as well. So once again, the name of this poem is Held On To. Always carried a lot of stuff, loaded up on your back like a saddle. And let life ride you, slept in fear and dined in worry. Trust no one and love no one, so there is no one to hold on to, because the oblivious won't hurt you. Marinade in atrocious news, devour the blues like a patient in a hospital, fed nutrients through tubes, just don't want to lose. 
the last concrete thing that your heart held on to. It aches for you, beats for you. Pray it don't grow weak on you. It is the backbone of the operation. Without it, no packages can be carried. No barrier can be crossed. No wars can be won. Only courage lost. There it is again. That sound. It beckons you, clear as a whistle. But you won't listen. Like a cold draft blowing through the window. The soul cries out, let it go. If you can heal, you can grow. Mahogany eyes tell tales deeper than the sea. Standing in the presence. Standing in the present but reenacting history. Hauling troubled blood ties held on to. Refuse to have a child and pass the curse on to somebody new. Break the generational lies forefathers held on to. Always carried a lot of stuff loaded up on your back like a saddle. And let life ride you. Slept in fear and dined in worry. But those days are gone. When turmoil comes knocking like a flood from a broken dam, don't open the door. Living carefree is a rare delicacy contorted souls can't ignore. Change is worth fighting for. Change is worth fighting for. The dawn of tomorrow, breathing in the air of today, searching for answers, creating a way. The wise learn from yesterday. Again, the name of this poem is Held On To. Thank you. You know, I think oftentimes we try to hold on to things that we should let go of. And really, we're better off letting go. So I'm going to read you another poem. This poem is on my 300 Tried by Water blog. That's 300-300-TRIED, T-R-I-E-D-B-Y-W-A-T-E-R.com, 300-TRIEDBYWATER.com. Don't worry about the years wasted. Fret not over unrequited love that births silent regrets in the corners of a lonely yet hopeful heart. Because the future is more bliss now that the past has been swept away. The fears that encompassed you can only contribute to the setbacks of yesterday. Laugh now. Joke now. Speak of peace now. Speak of peace now because the better days have come as a result of the pain you released no more holding on to broken things the name of that poem is broken things um and and i'm so guilty of sometimes holding on to them broken things you know it's like the things aren't worth two cents but i just want to keep them in my collection anyway well i collect pain it's something I've never understood about myself personally. I can't speak for nobody else. But I can't collect any pain. And then think that's something I want. Like, what? Oh, goodness. I'm also going to read y'all another poem because, you know, I'm one of those people, one of those people who. I have such antiquated uh, thoughts about love and I always, you know, always wanted to be close to someone and I've seen a lot of it just go awry. So this is going to be like a little 
emotional piece of me questioning the concept of love. It's called, is there anybody out there? Does anybody care about me? Is there one person that thinks of me with fondness? As of late, lonely thoughts cross a hopeful mind. Smiles come and go like elevators in a downtown lobby. Tears fill the lids of joyful eyes, looking at the rim of a brilliant sunrise with no hand to hold. Reminding peaceful moments that days and nights are slowly passing. With quiet dreams and little excitement, no one to call on the phone because the solitude of rest resulted in a still home sitting on a park bench near ducks that quack so loud they almost laugh and giggle. The wind blows and howls past my empty ear. I ease into my spot on the bench and wonder who else might have sat here. Lovers, friends, family, enemies, and everything in between. But deep down I wonder if anyone out there cares for me. Thank you. Again, the name of that poem is, Is There Anybody Out There? Um, and I wrote this a, a little bit ago. It was like September 2nd. So mind you, I'm in a different place mentally and spiritually now. <laughs> Thank God for that. Um, but what I've recognized in the last, it's been recently, the last like five days is there is a season for everything. And I do mean there is a season for many and nearly everything for all of us. And I never really took the time to really think about it. But as far as God's children go, there is a season. And um, I would like to read you something. Because I was listening to um, Derek Prince the other day. He was a pastor. And he was talking about God's timing. And about waiting and being patient in the Lord. And it really inspired my soul and it got me to thinking, perhaps I've been too hasty to question if I've missed my time instead of realizing that God has a time specifically set aside for me because he knew, he knew when he created me, how he wanted things to go. And no, it wasn't my plan. My plans have clearly been horrible. I've tried to do stuff my way and it's been toe up. I'm not going to sit up here and lie to you. I'm going to tell you the truth. So right now I'm learning how to live in God's time. So I want to read you Ecclesiastes 3. Because this just truly inspired my soul. Ecclesiastes 3, New International Version. There's a time for everything. And a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plan and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. 
I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Everything is, has already been. And what has been before. And God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. And I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. So I read from Ecclesiastes 1 through through 17, and I must say there is so much truth in that passage. Like Every time I read it, it it really touches me because it, it gives me opportunity to really set things in perspective. A lot of times we'll see people um, and we'll think like, oh, they're doing well for themselves. They're doing great. Look at them. You know, they got it all figured out. They may not be living right. You know, they're, you know, they have no relationship with Christ. You know, really they're into some new age woke stuff. But look, they're doing well for themselves. They got money. They got this. They got that. We shouldn't look at people who aren't doing righteous things. We shouldn't consider how we can live the way they do in order to prosper. And we shouldn't try it because at the end of the day, God has a plan for our lives. And we will all be judged in the end. So I think it's best that we just walk the way that God has us to walk instead of considering walking the steps of another person. You know, too often I've seen people, and, and I'm definitely guilty of this, consider utilizing the ways of the wicked. When God has made them righteous. Not even so much God has made them righteous, but they had the option of chasing after God's righteousness. Now, it says in his word, this is one of my favorite passages, and I have to look up. <laughs> I have to look up um, actually which part this is in the Bible, because I, I like to be forthright. But let me read it to you first. Not read it to you. It's from my memory. Um, it says, seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added onto you. That's Matthew 6.33. And to me, that means seek ye first Jesus. Seek ye first God and those things will be added onto you. That means that God will give you the things that you require when you seek after him diligently in spirit and in truth. So you don't have to worry You don't have to worry about food being on your table because God will put the food there. You don't have to worry about how you're going to survive because God will make it so that you can survive. You don't have to worry in the way that the unrighteous do or or in the way that non-believers of Christ do because you understand. You understand that God will be the person that provides you bread when there's no bread left. God will be the person that provides you water when water is in short supply. God will be the person that provides you with a place to sleep when there's no place to sleep. One thing I recognize about the disciples when they went on their way to go spread the word of Christ is they didn't go out spreading the word of Christ with no 
five, six camels full of supplies and resources and goods and 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 all kinds of money galore and all kinds of you know they didn't go out they didn't set out with you know caravans of you know resources <laughs> they was they went out there with sandals on their feet maybe something in a little sackcloth they went out there truly believing that the god w- that they served the god of Abraham Isaac and Jacob was going to provide for them when they went out there they went out there on the instruction of the Holy Spirit after Christ pa- passed on and, and rose from the grave. They went out there relying on the God of their salvation to provide for them. How often do we really step out on faith and say God will provide as long as I do according to his will, as long as I chasten after his voice, as long as I answer to his call, he will provide. How often do we say that? I can say for me, <laughs> I can do it more often. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't like to lie. Um, and that's what I'm going to do. I don't know if, I highly doubt I'll ever be anything close to perfect or ever have it all together because, you know, I, I'm human. You know, and honestly, even for me to get this far has been a blessing because I used to cut up, baby. I used to be, whoo, I'm still a little wide. You know, guys, guys done a great work in me. Done a great work. Cause when I tell you, my lord. <laughs> but nevertheless, when when I look at where I was and I see how far I come, I have no choice but to praise the Lord. You know, um, I'm one of those people who have always kept to myself, but I've always had a lot to say. And I thank God that He's made it so that now I don't always have to speak. Now my silence is more powerful than my words half the time. And only God can do that for a talkative person like me. <laughs> okay. Um, so I want to tell you now, just be patient in the Lord. Know that he has a plan for your life. I want to tell you that you are special. You are loved. You are gifted. And you are powerful in Jesus Christ if you allow him in. Don't give up. Don't back down. Don't let people tell you that you're not worth anything. Because you are worth so much, so much to God that he was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son so that some might be saved. And think about that. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. All he did was preach the gospel. Literally. And he waited 33 years knowing that his life would end in such a... um such a such a um, painstaking way that he would go through all of those trials and tribulations so that you and I would have an opportunity of salvation. That's how much God loved us. That's how much Jesus Christ thought of us. So don't ever feel like you're not worthy of love or of respect or of kindness because those are the very thing that God has given us every day. Okay? All right, until next time, this is Isha Montgomery signing off. I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. I hope it has been as insightful and as wonderful for you as it's been for me. Every time I speak to y'all, I feel like I gain a little more strength in my own walk with Christ. So I want to thank y'all for that. All righty, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 18, The Perfect Work of Patience.
拜。